Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the bearer of blades himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I am uh, tired but good. How are you? Doing okay. I'm also tired but good, I think. We're in the last week of the second quarter at my school, so we're in the point where everyone's trying to make up quizzes and tests and turn in late homeworks and try to get their grade from a 70 to a 90, and it's like, come on, man. So, <laughs> I am doing okay, as well like as I can be, at least. Uh, well, I know you are, work's running a little long now, so how's, how's work going? I mean, work is fine. I was just very annoying um, when we... So for those who don't know, I'm a banker. Uh, generally, when we open accounts, we set aside about an hour for people to open accounts. Uh, it doesn't take the full hour. It usually takes closer to 40 minutes. But like, you know, some people are chattier. Some people have issues. Sometimes you get to go to deeper stuff, whatever. Um, my coworker scheduled an appointment for me today at 4.15, which is already not a great idea because we close at 5. Um, it's a worse idea because they were non-U.S. citizens, which is totally fine, but it involves extra paperwork. Um, and then they showed up late. So they walked in 25 minutes before we closed <laughs> and wanted to open an account. So, like, I did it, so it just took a while, so we got out late. And, you know, like, nothing against them. They were nice, but, like... The appointment just shouldn't have been scheduled. Yeah. That sucks. Well, I mean, at least you're here now. You're yeah. here with us, so better. Probably. <laughs> yes. Um. And I know we've got a kind of a short show, I guess. Uh, you know, we do have a lot to talk about, kind of crazy amount to talk about too this was like one of the busiest weekends for magic i think i can remember in a long time it feels kind of nice yeah it i mean it was awesome right like you always have that like break in december uh and like i i don't know about you as much but i, I like i kind of took a step back from magic for like mm-hmm. a month uh so it's kind of nice it's like i come back and it's just like infinite magic content to consume mm-hmm. um the NRG, the SCG, the other SCG, the third SCG, <laughs> the LMS, uh, the Sh- Legacy Showcase Challenge. I, I'm i just, I'm loving it. I'm watching my way through NRG right now, and after that I'm going to watch my way through the SCGs. Had a jam-packed weekend of playing Magic, plus seeing a Broadway show. It's a, you know, it's a good time to be alive. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, I guess before I jump away from this, what show did you see? Uh, we saw Aladdin. It was Ooh. my second time seeing it. Okay. Um, it was awesome. Uh, Aladdin is my favorite Disney movie. The, I mean, the Broadway show is different than the movie, but obviously follows the same overall story. Um, it was really good. Nice. Yeah, that's definitely a show that I, I've heard really good things about. That and Lion King, where they're like, you know, if you like the Disney movie, doesn't matter. This show is better than than the Disney movie, which I think is high praise for for both of them. So, I I don't know if I'd call it better than the Disney movie. I would just like it's different, because uh, like you know you, you don't have like Apu and Apu's a great character, and like it's very hard to have the magic carpet be a good character. But like mm-hmm. the genie is even better in the musical than he is in the movie, which is like insane because it's one of the best characters in anything ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Oh, man. Well, that's, uh, I'm glad you got to see it. I'm, you know, 
I am jealous. I, I didn't get to make my way out there this time. Uh, just, unfortunately, my personal life kept me in Pennsylvania instead of over in New Jersey. But uh, it sounds like you had fun, so that's the important thing. Uh, I did. Um, do you mind if I talk about the actual event? For yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so, for those who might be curious, I did end up on Just Guy Breach with the combo. Uh, I ultimately, I think that the fair breach deck is good. Uh, you know, if it's something you're interested in playing, you should play it. But I ultimately do think it is a little bit flawed. I felt like a lot of my games went long, and then my permission was spell pierce, which is something that falls off when the games go long, which is like kind of awkward. Um, and yeah, sometimes you get to play your breach and just bolt your opponent a bunch of times so they die, and it's awesome. But not having your breaches be quite as decisive as in the other decks was like not ideal for me, I don't think. Um, I also just, you know, I think people very much overstate how bad the cards in Breach are. Like people are like, oh yeah, you get to play the good cards like Dragon's Rage Channeler. It's like, yeah, but Emery's like also just a good card. Like Grinding Station is the only card in either Jeskai or Teamer Breach that I think is like not actively a good card. And I guess like Spring Leaf Drum. Um, but I ended up on Jeskai Breach. I like Teamer more, and after the weekend I would go back to Teamer, but since I hadn't put any work into the deck for, I don't know, a month, two months, I just blindly copied Jesse Robkin's list. Uh, ironically, she played Teamer <laughs> at the NRG. Oh, yeah. <laughs> her last posted list on um, on her Patreon was Jeskai, and you know the Teamer was a metagame call, so... Uh, the deck was really good all weekend. Um, I snuck into day two at 6-2. I definitely could have played better in my losses and, and in my wins. Um, I did this thing repeatedly all day where I would play spells and then immediately go, I didn't play around Spell Pierce, and then get blown the hell out by Spell Pierce. So mm. that was <laughs> that was great. You'd think I would have learned my lesson after the first one too, but I did it at least five times. So. Oh my you god. Know, not... <laughs> <laughs> not the so cleanest. <laughs> yeah, it was not great. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, the deck, you know, very good. On day two, uh, it also went somewhat well. It kind of fell apart a little bit. Uh, I had a very rough start to my day. I First, the hotel charged me more for the hotel room than they said they were going to, so that was, like, oh. super awkward. Yeah. Um, and then my, ba- like, the sour, or... The cream cheese on my bagel was like rancid, so it made me sick. Um, and then, <laughs> and then I was struggling to like coordinate um, getting my stuff into the car because uh, the driver of the car was not in my hotel room. Um, and then I melee wouldn't load when I got to the event hall, so I couldn't get my pairing. And I was trying to find the pairings board, but they had moved where the pairings board was for the previous day, so I ended up being a minute late to the round and getting a game loss. Um, <laughs> So oh, then, no. and like I was feeling physically sick at this point from Could the cream cheese. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if it was from that or if it was just like mental getting to me because uh, food poisoning generally takes longer than the amount of time between like me eating the bagel and getting to here. But like I was okay. physically sick and mentally just like not all there. So I didn't mm. play the Titus. I missed two ladder shredder triggers. If I had gotten either of them, uh, I would have had. I would have killed my opponent, but instead we drew when my top card was the Lethal Breach. Um, 
Then I played like crap the next round. Um, didn't matter, still won. I I literally put Breach and Station into play and then went, oh, I can't actually, like I don't actually have the cards in my graveyard to, <laughs> to play back and win. I just like literally played an Underworld Breach and like got nothing off of it. I think I cast like a Mistress Bobble. Mm, that's awful. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, and I ended up winning, uh, and I was just, like, so mad at myself for how poorly I played, but also I'm just like, how mad must my opponent be that they lost to this garbage player? Absolutely furious. <laughs> uh, yeah, I ended up taking a loss then, and then a draw, which ended up knocking us both out of contention. Uh, I was quite ahead, but three very grindy games against Murktide. It's definitely possible that, like, both of us, probably more so me, could have played a little bit faster, but, like, it was re- really grindy. Good good games. Like, I ended game three with, like, 15 cards left in my deck. Um, mm. So, you know, that it is what it is, and that knocked us both out of contention. I conceded to my round 15 opponent, and we played for fun, and I just, like, massacred him. Uh, but even if we had reported the win, I would have come in exactly 33rd place, which I knew before conceding. So, mm. Okay. Good weekend. Uh, you know, didn't cash, but it was fun. Highly recommend Breach, whether it's Jeskai or Teamer or the fair versions, even though I don't think they're as well. But even those put up great results over the weekend. One went 5 0 in the trials to get the buy, one top eight at the LMS. I just, I think Underworld Breach is the best card in modern, and you should be playing it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it obviously has been performing really well. I mean, I think. If you're looking just to pick up a deck right now, I do think there's a lot of really good options, which I think is great. Um, but, I mean, that has to be one of the top ones. I mean, in all the different builds, um, that or Scam are kind of the things I'd be eyeing up first. Yeah, I will never recommend anyone play Scam, and it's just because I hate the deck. It's, uh, it's very good, and I probably should tell people to play it, but I'm just yeah. like, I don't want them to play it. <laughs> Because then I might play against them, and that's not fun for me, so, you know. That's a primary concern. Any listeners out there, everything <laughs> we have is through the lens of Mapson does not want to play against it, so, you know, keep that grain of salt there. Yeah, you know, it's like the new edict that got spoiled today. Don't play that either. Um, that card's yeah. stupid. Uh, Real good. Yeah. But you know. I think that's a discussion for another day, <laughs> going into the... Uh, the spoilers and stuff that 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 is definitely a brutal one, but I, I, we could probably talk about that next week. I think. Yeah, that'll just be me yelling for thirty minutes. Yep. <laughs> and another thing. Yeah, that'd be, which I'm interested to hear, but yeah, probably next week. Um, I'm glad I'm glad the event. What? How'd you end up finishing record wise? So my uh, record. In games was like eight three eight three two was my actual record, which again would have put me at thirty third. Uh, on paper, my record was seven four two, which put me in like forty eighth, I think. Okay, not bad, not bad. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you had a good weekend. I'm once again very jealous. I didn't get to play at all, but I mean, once again, a lot of magic to be watching out there um there's i mean honestly i'm not sure how you want to do this i, I kind of want to talk about modern kind of run through some interesting things 
uh, then talk about Legacy real quick. Yeah, I mean, I already started talking about Modern, so let's just keep it going. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the event you were in, right, the, the 20K. Uh, ends up being, if I can find this, is, uh, is it Prowess List? Uh, which I, I guess is a prowess is kind of a bold thing to call it. it it's like a blue what uh, <laughs> it is it prowess list. Uh, it splashes the white cards on the sideboard, uh, a path to exile which hasn't seen modern play in a long time, as well as prismatic ending. Uh, but it you know I guess it's like the current iteration of the blue red prowess list we saw was it like a year ago, half a year ago, right? This is just like the update with uh, underworld breach now. Uh, pretty there nice. it is again, the best card. Best, yeah, best card. I mean, it, and this is definitely one of the things we talked about before. Like, it probably should be more power, like more popular, right? It's one of those powerful cards in vintage. It's banned in legacy. It's banned in pioneer. It's like it's banned in historic. Like, it makes sense that this card should see some amount of play that is, you know, non-zero. So I'm not, I'm not surprised to see it, and I'm glad it's showing up more. Also, my boy uh, Sprite Dragon showing up again. So Scar Mage is taking names and kicking kicking butts. So I'm happy to see this deck in the in the metagame again. Yeah, you know, uh, I think we talked last week about how Dragon's Rechanneler and Mistress Bobble and Underworld Breach is like kind of a combo, but mm-hmm. so is like Dragon's Rechanneler, Mutagenic Growth, and Underworld Breach. Um, so that's I don't know. I think it's cool. I I can't remember who I was talking to this weekend, but they were like. Yeah, I played against Prowess, and, like, I thought I was good, and then they just played an Underworld Breach and then cast Mutagenic Growth four times. Yep. <laughs> and then I died. Very good. <laughs> I mean, even, like, the the Lava Dart, I think, is, is super cute. Just, like, being able to hit, hit it with Dragon Rage, put it in the bin, and then, you know, you can... You know, flashback something later, but, like, at the very least, Lava Dart's putting a, a mountain to the graveyard for you, like... Or you can, it's another card for you to mill with your Dragon Rage Channeler. Like, it ends up, you know, really allowing you to grind through your deck pretty quickly. So, that's an, another really neat spell. Yeah. Um. Uh, you p- pointed out the blue white control list, too, that uh, uh, Will Thompson played in second place. Yeah, so um, Will Thompson also. Perhaps better known as Bill Scythe, uh, sometimes referred to as the villain of Magic Online. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a name that he's been called a handful of times, and I just, uh, I, I like the description, even though, you know, him and I actually get along. Um, but anyways, uh, it's actually really interesting, too. I don't know if you actually took the chance to look at it. It's, I've seen a couple things. I mean, like, the thing that kind of pops out to me, I, I obviously like the playset of Solitude, I like the subtleties. Um, Wandering Emperor, I'm not surprised to see, I love that card too. Um, it is interesting to see uh, Spreading Seas, that was a card that was very popular and kind of dropped off in popularity. Um, you know, I think there was a point in time where you kind of expected people to be playing more of the, uh, what's it called, Urza Saga. Um, and I think we've kind of gone away from that is in the current format so having spreading season the deck is i don't want to say surprising but not as common i think spreading season is a great choice i mean with underworld breach being so popular i think urza saga has been on the rise and then also with the creativity decks getting to delay them having the mountains in time for tour in mind is i think pretty big 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really do like the the idea of being able to like turn off those things from. You know, the, the mana, turning them off a turn, I cannot talk today, but <laughs> delaying them a turn uh, from being able to get the Dwarven Mine. I mean, even, I guess, it's not as prevalent right now, but being able to kind of tax the mana of uh, some of these lists that were so focused on Ren 6 in general, I think it's just really important. So, I like that. You didn't you didn't point out the what I was actually looking for, though, which is the Gemstone Caverns. Yeah, the it's a it's a one of and I I've actually been one thing I've been looking at a lot of CEDH lists so, uh, but this is a, one of those cards I think that's really interesting because it it does kind of help you take the advantage and depending on what the matchup is, you can kind of get rid of some of these cards that are not great here. Like you know maybe you're looking at your hand and you're like, well I already have you know counterspell to fairy wandering emperor I probably don't need this to fairy as well get rid of that. And being able to land a fair in turn two instead of turn turn three might just kind of overtake the game, um, especially considering you draw so many cards, you can kind of turn through your deck. Uh, getting a turn four solitude is a, a much bigger difference than getting a turn five solitude, especially once again in this uh, very quick meta game here. I think he said he put. Jumpstone Cavern into play on turn one 13 times over the weekend. Um, that's not bad. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Um, I also saw today somebody, uh, so let's see. In 21 matches of Magic this weekend, I put Jumpstone Caverns into play turn zero 13 times like a professional. Yep, 13 times. <laughs> um, I also saw somebody playing Jumpstone Cavern in, um, and um and hammer trophied today too. Okay. What's yeah, that? I mean, like I like the idea, especially in a deck like this. I, hammer, I'm a little a little less on, um, but I still see it. This deck because you don't really play one drops outside of prismatic ending. Like getting up to two as quickly as possible is is a big benefit. Like I want to be make sure I can turn on my counter spells. I can actually cast my Dovin Zito. Um, you know, my Archmage's Charm, even. Like, I don't want the mana to be an issue there. I, I want to be able to hit that as quickly as possible. Or even, like, just being able to hold up and activate Field of Ruin on turn two. Like, there's a lot of benefits having uh, your mana a, a little bit faster here. And there's not a there's not a glut of, like, one-drops you're trying to play. And I think Hammer is why I'm kind of a little less on Hammer here. Um, there's not instance for you to break parity with with hammer uh there's obviously getting up to two mana i think is is really nice like a turn one stoneforge mystic um might be the difference there or being able to actually play uh memnite uh Sigardus aid and hammer on turn one like that, that totally is fine but i don't know I, I don't get that as good in that deck i think you know a deck that doesn't have one drops you're trying to cast is probably something you want to focus towards if you're trying to play Jumpstone Caverns effectively. Anyways, Jumpstone Caverns Supremacy. Uh, I'm sure Joe Lissette will be ecstatic. I don't know if you remember when he bought like a few hundred copies. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he did not sell out. Uh, you never know though. Yeah, you never know. Uh, yeah, I like that one. And there was another list, too. Uh, let me see if I can find it. 
there was a list that was oh, yeah, devoted to devastation, which I think is super cool. Uh, I think you were mentioning was that one of our friends helped make the list. I know this is played by Stephen uh, Burakov, but uh, I think our friend James Woolmacher helped with this. Yeah, so... Uh, um, <laughs> James uh, definitely piloted this list in, um, at Philly, and then he like ran it back at a showcase challenge. I, I think showcase challenge might have been a normal challenge. I don't know, but um, yes, I know Stephen took his list, played it throughout the weekend, um, and it performed really well for him. Uh, James also played in this event, and it did not go great, but he was pretty happy to cheer on his list in the hands of another player. And you know, I like a lot of what this deck is doing. I will say, uh, James has been on Devoted Druid basically for years now um mm -hmm. he used to be an ad nauseum player um and he was super all in on ad nauseum. and once that deck became like unplayable this was his deck of choice some interesting choices like three main deck burnt and forge tender because uh he really was struggling against ragavan um but yeah this deck looks pretty clean yeah i mean like i like the forge tenders here i mean i think there's enough you know, Furies running around, there's enough uh, Ragavans and DRCs, like that That just seems relevant. I do like the Extraction Specialist too, it's a card I, I've been seeing in Pioneer, but not so much in Modern. Uh, once again, this is from Streets of New Capenis, it's been out for a little bit, but it's a 2 generic and a white for a 3-2 with lifelink. When it enters the battlefield, you return target creature card with mana value 2 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield that creature can't attack or block for as long as you control extraction specialist um you know being able to get back a, a number of creatures that you that are obviously very relevant i mean a fort tender is not bad getting back giver of runes is fine but like being able to get back either devoted druid stoneforge mystic or vizier remedies all of which don't really even want to go into the red zone right stoneforge mystic is just gonna go get you uh, maybe a batter skull or culture complete to put into play. Devoted Druid obviously is you know part of your big combo there. Like just getting them into play, I think is huge. Um, and it's a really nice kind of complement to the post mortem lunge, uh, which is also in this list. I know that's another card that um, you know James in particular likes. Uh, I actually haven't played with this deck in a while. Um, I'm looking at some things like the Luxier. Uh, Giada's Gift, which, you know, obviously was a card that combos with Devoted Druid as well. Um, Viridian's Longbow, which I know is a more recent addition considered, obviously, for this deck. Um, yeah, like you said, it's a very clean list. Um, the, the thing that kind of pops out to me here is the layer of the Hydra, which is a, a really easy mana sink. You know, you're going to play it anyways, so let's just like pump a bunch of green mana into it and we'll make our uh, you know, land that came into play untapped on turn one into a 1,000-1,000 uh, and attack. Like, eh, not bad. Yeah, I really do like this list. There were a lot of lists I really liked in this event. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say a nice thing about a mid-range deck, but uh, maybe I'll just trash talk it instead. I don't know if you saw the black-red mid-range deck that top aided the 20k. Is this the one that was playing Olivia? This played Olivia Voldarin in the sideboard. Just like actual, factual Olivia Voldarin. Yeah. Ooh, uh, that's wild. Yeah. This 
this book was like super hyped. Like this was like on Twitter, people were just like, "Do you see Olivia Voldauren?" It's like, "What table's that at?" Like, which I this is a card I don't know the last time I've seen this I mean obviously when Jund was popular let's let's just call it a safe 2018 maybe last time I saw Olivia in play yeah I I don't know it was uh, I was just like walking by and I was like there's no way I saw that right and then like I I like did a double take and I turn around and he's got like uh, oh man what is it like Gix or whatever in play yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just like I don't know what's happening, but this is table one on like day two. <laughs> like, yeah. If uh, you, you haven't seen Gix, uh, Yawgmoth Praetor, uh, it's one generic double black for a three-three Phyrexian Praetor. Uh, when whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, it control its controller may pay one life. If they do, they draw a card. And then it also has this really absurd ability. Uh, <laughs> Uh, X, triple black, discard X cards. You can exile the top X cards of your uh, target opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells among them, exile this way without paying their mana cost. So it's like a... Uh, uh, was it a, I guess, villainous wealth, essentially? You have to discard some cards, but it's uncounterable for the most part. Like, that's pretty sweet. Uh, it's... I mean, this deck is kind of wild. I mean, I haven't seen Gix in the constructed deck yet um evolve sleeper is another card that i don't think i've actually seen in play it's a um kind of a level up mechanic um a figure of destiny if you will that uh you know eventually becomes a you know i guess ideally a uh, four four that lets you draw a card and lose a life like oh my gosh it's it's, it's a very interesting list I, I don't think i've seen anything remotely like it in a while, but it's it's just an aggressive red black deck. It's a grind value. You've got Fabled Mirror Breaker, uh, you know, Croaks is in here, Dotty Voidwalker's in here, a lot of hard to block creatures and cards you don't wanna have your opponent connect with. Like I I don't know. I mean like is is this do you think this has legs or do you think this is more like a surprise factor kind of thing? Um so I will tell you that I uh, one of one of my good friends played against this player and said uh, that they just played really well. Um, that they put some of the cutesy cards into play and they were never the issue. It was just like they just played really well and mm-hmm. just beat them by being like the better player while happening to have these cards in play. So do with that information what you will. I mean, like, at the very least, you have aggression backed up with, you know, Thoughtseize and Inquisition of Kozilek. Uh, you have good removal. I mean, I think Terminate and Fatal Push are a good places to be as far as removal is concerned. So, and, like, Fable, I think, ties together any deck list at this point. So, uh, I can imagine this being pretty effective. Uh, I'm interested to see if we get any more results with this. Um, hopefully, it'll, it'll pick up some steam on MTGO, and we'll see a couple more people playing it, because it... Once again, it doesn't seem bad. So, story I heard, although some of the cards that were mentioned were actually in the 17th place deck, so maybe I am mixing up the two decks here, um, which the 17th place uh, food deck is really sweet too, and probably the last modern deck we should talk about, um, is that this player showed up to the event with the intention of buying the last couple cards for their deck, and then 
could not find the cards at any of the vendors and just ended up buying a few standard cards. And that's how, like, Evolve Sleeper and Gigs got in there. Oh, okay. That that makes more (laughs) sense. Um, So don't quote me on that because I could be mixing it up because the person who told me the story, I swear, mentioned uh, Goblin Engineer, which is not in that deck. So, like, Mm -hmm. I might be getting it twisted. Um, But the 17th deck looks, like, purposely constructed this way so i i think i have it straight okay yeah the okay before we segue off i i am surprised that this list doesn't have uh dragon rage channeler i just kind of expect it to uh, because i you know i think you have enough creatures where that's not an issue you do have planeswalkers too um you know liliana the veil in the main deck you also do have instants and sorceries uh, you obviously have Fable, which is an enchantment. You've got lands. I, I don't think it's hard to get Delirium, especially if you are, you're fueling it like that. So I can imagine that the Evolve Sleepers and the Gix are actually supposed to be Dragon Rage Channelers, but that also seems like something you'd be able to pick up on site. So. Uh, no, nah, because that card's so cheap. I can't imagine that many vendors carrying it. Yeah, um, that's fair. Though, if you play Dragon's Rage Channeler, then you're also like heavily incentivized to play bobble um so i'm not sure where the bobbles would have been I mean, bobbles don't seem bad either i mean that you don't have artifacts in this deck as is so like having like one or two bobbles maybe drop a land and an inquisition maybe maybe you drop a, a croxa go down to one croxa but hmm, i don't know i'm interested um, the 17th place list for anyone interested, uh, is an Asmo deck actually, which, you know, it's doing some really interesting things. Um, you know, obviously having Asmo in your deck with, with Oval Chase Daredevil and the Underworld Cookbook is always a good start, but like, there's a lot of like new additions to this deck that, you know, I, I haven't seen in play before. Things like Scrapwork Mutt, um, the two mana, uh, looter artifact dog from, uh, Brothers War. That's a, that's a weird sentence to put together, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a weird card to look at. Yes. Um, you also have things like uh, Phyrexian Dragon Engine, uh, which is a, the card that melds with um, Mishra, uh, comes into play, uh, sorry, enter the battlefield from your graveyard, you can discard your hand, if you do, you draw three cards, that is an Earth, for five, um, which I think is actually really cool if you're able to, you know, discard it to you know something like your underworld cookbook and then get it back with trash for treasure uh that is a card i have not seen in in play in a long time uh, it's, it's basically uh, this is probably rude to the card um it is as i say tinker from your graveyard which is not quite accurate but it does cost three mana two generic and a red you do have to sacrifice an artifact you just return the artifact card from your graveyard to play so. i feel like the easiest way to say this is it's a three mana goblin welder activation it's a three mana goblin welder <laughs> activation just like i was saying also Perfect. one of your favorite cards if i'm not mistaken it is a really sweet card yeah this is a card I, I tried to brew around every now and then i love this card um also like that's a sweet way to get back like portal to phyrexia which is just a, a a bonkers card if you haven't read this one either. It's nine generic for a uh, artifact when <laughs> when it enters the battlefield. Each opponent sacrifices three creatures, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, you put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It becomes a Phyrexian until, uh, in addition to its other types, like that 
seems like a really cool thing to do. I mean, like, you can obviously bring back Thundering Titan. That's not a bad one either, but I think bringing back Portals to Phyrexia is uh, real cool. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of stuff in this deck. Yeah, this deck looks sweet. It looks really fun. It did really well. Also, as much as I hate talking about, like, the financial aspect of Magic, this is less than $400 for a modern deck, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, 160 of that is Urza Saga. So if you already own Urza Sagas, this is definitely a relatively cheap way to have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. Most of the value is tied up in Saga, Fable, and then, I guess, Portal to Phyrexia. So, like, you can definitely get get this if you especially if you have the artifact package already it's the real cheap deck to pick up all right let's uh was there anything else from this event you want to take a look at uh so move on to a different one not necessarily this event and there's not too much more about modern i feel like we need to say i don't know how you feel i, I yeah. think there's just two main points i want to make yep um Kimber rhinos tore it up this weekend not as much in that event, but like it won uh, LMS Trist. Um, I know Javier Dominguez like has been playing it in prelims, and like he is known for playing good decks, so like definitely notable. Um, but yeah, that deck was just very successful this weekend. And then also looking at Raja's deck from the NRG, uh, just another example of blue white control crushing it. Um, Sriracha was actually on Bant, though. And also, it's worth mentioning, you know, very metagamed field, like a very small field, so, like, mm-hmm. not not quite an open metagame, so don't look into everything. But I did want to comment on the fact he played Broker's Charm, which was really interesting to me. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Broker's Charm. Uh, Broker's Charm... This, this is going to sound stupid. This is... Which, col- which color is this Broker's Charm? This is, like, so, one of the ones I'm, like, not great with. So, Broker's Charm called Spant. Um, the okay. first ability is it gets... You choose one. It's got three modes. So, mm-hmm. you can give a creature, I believe it's plus two, plus oh, and then it bites something. So, it uh, deals plus damage. one, plus zero. It, and it's actually better than that. So, it's plus one, plus zero. So, that's worse. But it, it just deals damage equal to its power to target creature yeah, or, or that, planeswalker. That's what bite is. You said, yeah, I was going to say bite. Who said bite? No, it's it's called bite, like ra- rabid bite. Oh, okay. I've never heard it called that before. Yep, it's uh, it's a term. Um, hmm. So then its second ability is uh, destroy target enchantment. Mm-hmm. And then third ability is draw two cards. Um, yep. And at first when I saw somebody asking for this card for Sunday, I was like, Look at this idiot. Uh, and then I was like, well, that's mean. Uh, I wonder what's going on there. There's probably something to it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I hadn't seen Raj's deck list at this point. And I thought about it. I was just like, okay. You know, I keep saying Underworld Breach is the best card in Modern. Uh, so this is a clean answer to that. It's a clean answer to Urza Saga. Um, which is, like, nice. Because you don't want to just play Disenchant in your deck and then get paired against, like... I don't know, Death Shadow with Kirksa, and then, then mm-hmm. you look real dumb. Um, it can be removal. It's, like, not great removal, but the fact it can do that, or you can just use it as, like, a divination at instant speed. Like, this card is about as versatile as Archmage's Charm, and that's a card people already play. You know, it's not, like, mm-hmm. the A-plus card, but it's it's good at what you need it to do, and I think this is similar. 
Yeah, and I think the, it's flexible enough. I mean, it is creature removal. It is enchantment removal. And, like, worst case scenario, there's no application. You just draw two cards. Like, that's that's fine. All right. Well, if we're all done with modern, and probably just look over at legacy. And, once again, a lot of events this weekend, um, even just, you know, in New Jersey, had the legacy 10K, but they also had a 5K on Sunday. So, a lot of things for us to take a look at. Um, I know something that is near and dear to your heart, I think, is a uh, painter. And I, there is like a mono blue variety that has been a lot more popular in the past couple weeks. Uh, what's the mono blue version doing? Uh, the mono blue deck is like pretty similar to um, to 8-cast, I guess you could say. Right, like it's... Uh, you kind of give up like the Red Elemental Blast and the Pirate Blast and the Goblin Welder Shenanigans, obviously. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the list. I can't remember if they play Emery or not. But yeah, like, this list has uh, four op- Emery's, four Thought Monitor, four Painter Servant, and one Haywire Might. Um, but which is a green card, but I guess that's a, another ish or green uh, activation. But yeah, I mean, you you lose Capa Cannon here too, which seems like a huge, huge loss. Yeah, but also you just gain the ability to just kill people, so... Mm-hmm. You know, fair. Killing people is uh, underrated in Magic sometimes. It's true. That's very true. But yeah, I, I actually used to play a lot of the, the Mono Blue Dover decks. I, I really like it. Um, I think you're a little bit weaker to the Artifact Kate, because uh, you don't have, like I was saying, like your Goblin Welders, your Goblin Engineers, and things like that. But just getting to play, like, actual Force of Will is really good. Getting to play, like, Metallic Rebuke. And then also just how the speed in which you can go through your deck with, like, Thought Monitors and Thought Cast just kind of makes you a little bit faster. So that's, you know, it's kind of nice when your combo deck moves quickly. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And you're doing a lot of things that I think are pretty resilient. I think just having Emery in the deck... Um, being able to buy back, you know, a, a Haywire Might if you need to, or being able to buy back your um, Grindstones, things like that, I, I think it's really nice. And obviously that's something you can do in, in the red versions as well, but like you said, having Force of Will backup is huge, especially since your Painter Servant is turning, like, you know, that extra land you don't really need into a <laughs> into a blue card to pitch to Force. Like, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's not clear to me that you're always supposed to name blue, but getting to pitch, like, Aspire of Industry or whatever to a Force of Will always does feel sweet. Uh, it's also kind of cool uh, that in this version, you since you have all of those... I don't want to say, like... I'm trying to phrase this appropriately. Uh, the Earth Saga in this deck is very good. That's all I want to say. <laughs> um, Earth Saga is pretty good. It has a, a vi- wide variety of stuff you can actually find. Like, I think I'm kind of expecting people just to search up Grindstone uh, or, like, Shadow Spear or something like that. But, like, being able to pick up the Haywire Might again, uh, being able to pick up Mox Opal in this list, and I always love an Aether Spell Bomb. Uh, it just seems really nice having access to to that in this in this deck. Yeah, and again, this build is like more heavy on artifacts than the Red Painter decks, which also had a very good weekend. Um, but so being that much heavier on artifacts just means your constructs are also that much better too. Yeah. 
So another deck I know you've been super hot on has just been like Cephalid Breakfast. It's, you've been saying the deck is uh, well positioned right now. It has a lot of resiliency. It's very uh, can be very aggressive, but also win a slower game. Uh, and we actually see uh, Devin Riley had a, a pretty good weekend play in that. Yeah, so I actually did have Cephalid Breakfast sleeved up uh, and kind of ready to go as of like Thursday night. And then, I don't know, I was like, okay, I'm going to play Modern, actually. Uh, but <laughs> Cephalid Breakfast did uh, very well this weekend. It top-aided the 10K, it top-aided the 5K the next day, and it split the finals of the Showcase Challenge. And uh, the lists are not quite all the same. Like, I think the Showcase list... Uh, still was on Stoneforge Mystic, but I know a lot of people, including Devin, who top-aided the 10k, uh, have cut the Stoneforge package. Uh, the Stoneforge package is still really strong, but it's kind of slow. Um, and I think cutting it was really a Max Dorshin innovation. Uh, Max has been putting in a lot of work on the deck, and so not playing Stoneforge Mystic means that you get to play Baleful Strix, a card that is very good versus Delver, and also does a non-zero amount of work against the initiative decks. So Baleful Strix has been really just like pulling a lot of weight. Uh, also, it is shockingly hard to get your hands on the old border Baleful Strix. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, uh, it's, it's a good looking card. Yeah, it's just like, I don't think I've ever had to work so hard to find copies of like a $2 card. It's just like, it's, I don't know. Um, but thank God for TCG player. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was going to go into a, a promotion right then. I was like, I mean, there's a lot of great places to get cards. You can get them from Tales of Adventure. You can get them from, like, wait, wait, nope, stop, stop. We don't need a promo. No one. <laughs> uh, but seriously, get cards from Tales of Adventure. Go get cards from alternate universes. Um, but, yeah, no, it is hard to find some of these. And I, one thing, I guess going off on a sl slight tangent, like, they look really nice, and they're relatively cheap. So, if you have the option, it it just like seems like a no brainer for a lot of people. So, so they are just difficult to get. It's funny that you would say buy them from Tales of Adventure because I can guarantee that will not work because I bought all of Tales's copies. <laughs> oh no! All right, well, take it back. But I mean, I guess the big thing is that they have. A great stock until you clean them out. So well, they didn't even have a full playset. So just kidding. Caffrey's Caff great, obviously. Caffrey's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I mean, definitely a really solid deck. Solid um, showing. I'm actually surprised. Um, Devin's playing Triumph of Saint Catherine in the sideboard. I, this a card I've seen in like the blue white control lists, but I have not seen it in Selfless Breakfast at all. So I. I'm, I'm just surprised to see it. It's a great card, obviously, but not one that I've seen a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I haven't actually had the chance to play with or against Triumph yet, but what I've heard from people has largely been very positive. Uh, supposedly, it has been great against Delver. So in my mind, this is like a card that you play against Delver, so it's kind of weird to see it in the Baleful Strix build of the deck, which is already a little mm -hmm. bit stronger there. Uh, but it's also just... A very, you know, recursive, very sticky threat. Um, and the Breakfast deck, for as much as I love it, can be a little bit anemic at times. So I definitely do get the appeal of just having, like, 
this very sticky threat that's like not reliant on the graveyard. It just gets in there and does what it needs to do. So you're saying by adding triumph, we're really adding some some iron to the breakfast here, make it less anemic. Uh sure. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually played against um, you know our friend Phil actually uh, playing triumph of Saint Catherine on Delver and. It is difficult, um, especially because it, in my mind, for some reason, it's legendary and it is not actually legendary. Wait, it's not legendary. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I got I got brickwalled by two of them. Um, it was uh, really hard, and I could like essentially we got into a situation where I had a true name versus a triumph, and I was like, okay, oh, I can deal with this, and then uh, he miracled the second triumph, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to die now. Okay, cool. So I just. It's attacked for for uh, five over like three turns and it died. It is uh, pretty cool. Dude, not only does that name sound like it should be legendary, mm-hmm. uh, it also just doesn't sound like it should actually be a creature. Like Triumph of Saint Catherine definitely sounds like a saga or a sorcery. It does not sound like. I. It sounds like a saga, honestly. Yeah, uh, I actually. You know, I'm glad you said that because I actually did look this up before and I forget uh, a triumph is a great victory or achievement uh, or a processional so a processional entry of a victorious general into ancient rome so like it it can be it's, just, it's the people coming in are the triumph not the actual like it's not like a, a person it's it's the people coming in so it's still weird but I'm assuming it's the the figure with the um, white hair and like the thing in the back. Once again, I I feel like this has to be some kind of 40k lore that I just like don't know, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, pretty good, pretty good card. Um, and something I kind of want to point out too, and I think we talked about this uh, last week, two weeks ago. Uh, Dave Kaplan, uh, I believe, ended up winning the event. Uh, congratulations, Dave! Great player. Uh, Playing Blue Red Delver, classic. Uh, deck's pretty standard, nothing super crazy. The The one thing I do want to point out is that there are Furies in the sideboard. Uh, two copies of Furies in this list. Uh, we actually saw Henta Hiroki uh, play, I think it was one or two copies at Eternal Weekend, um, and did pretty well with them there. Um, it's just a card if you are playing uh, against Blue Red Delver, you should be aware of that it is something that comes out of the sideboard. Uh, it's something that can deal with Season Dungeoneer, I uh, can deal with, obviously, just, like, you know, any creature without having to invest mana, um, and also doesn't get got by, like, Chalice or something like that. So, uh, just something to keep an eye out for if you are playing, you know, Elves or um, even, I guess, even uh, playing Painter, right? Like, getting got by, like, a, your Painter and your Welder hit by a Fury seems really annoying, so uh, just keep an eye out for that. Yep, Fury, just continuing to be a banger. Um, it's funny, you mentioned Kento playing it at uh, Eternal Weekend. He also just came in second place on Sunday at the Legacy 5K, still playing Fury. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And uh, Kento's a, a great, uh, fantastic player. It's one of those names that I think, uh, he's obviously local to us, so I think we're a little, he's a little more on our radar than anybody else, but uh, he is one of those names that just pops up 
whenever there's a big legacy event, you will see him somewhere in the in the top 16, more likely than not. So uh, definitely someone to keep an eye out for. I definitely look at them for, for tech and things like that. Uh, and actually, I really like his build that he has right now. It's actually, I think, like one card off of what I'm playing. If I'm looking at this, or two cards off. Um, but I really love the counterbalances in the board. I think those are fantastic. Um, just, just once again, just so much Delver. It's great in the mirror there, but it's also good somewhere else. Um, you know, in those combo matchups. Um, I like the surgical extractions. I love the one meltdown. I don't think you need two right now. But I also like having the uh, true nemesis over any other protection creature. Like uh, we've talked about this on the show before, but like Unchained Berserker is just bad everywhere else like i'm just not trying to trying to attack with that thing uh but tuning nemesis actually does work out pretty well in other matchups whether it's a mirror or just a control matchup um it doesn't always have to pe- come in versus initiative only um just like a unchained berserker does so I-, I think if you assuming your mapping works out like this i, th- I think you're probably gonna be a little happier with tuning nemesis long term even if the pro white is not uh great um, the you know, it's a turn two spell potentially, but I still think true name is just better. Yeah, I am, uh, I'm still in agreement with you. I definitely like true name better than Hunter and Berserker. Uh, we did, I, I just want to kind of point this out too. Um, in the Legacy 10k, there are a couple other deck lists that are, I don't want to say fascinating. Uh, but ones that you don't see very often, um, things that we haven't seen in a couple weeks at least, a couple months. Um, first off, there is uh, Chris Cherubini uh, playing a, I don't, a modern classic, I'll say. Uh, we've seen a little bit more of Hammer showing up in Legacy um, and actually putting up results. Um, and, you know, this, you know, being able to have a good record with, <laughs> with Hammer is uh, a, not a small feat, so kind of want to point that deck out Um, i will say the hammer deck is i think better than most people including you would give it credit for in legacy like i have played uh like i've played it through leagues and you know it's not like i'm sitting there going oh this is so easy like all my opponents are super dead but the deck is definitely strong it definitely does its thing and like it's doing something that the format's like not necessarily prepared for yeah, I mean, I I think, and I still, I still think the like the worst case scenario of having Cauldron Complete come down on turn three is it's not bad. Like that that's fine. Uh, the upside of being able to smack somebody in the face with an Ornithopter on turn two for twenty is obviously very good. And like you said, there's not a lot of there's not as much removal. Um, we we are starting to see a small uptick trying to deal with. Threats regardless of power. So, you know, you do see... Well, I guess we'll talk about what's, what how Delver is trying to adapt. But, you know, you see a lot of more sorts of plowshares, things like that. Um, I still think this deck lines up pretty well. I think Esper Sentinel is, an, is a card that probably does not see enough play in, in Legacy. And I think it's a fantastic addition to this deck here. Um, Pure Steel Paladin. I think anyone who's played Modern against this thing knows it's powerful. Uh, but the ability to kind of cheat your mana... Uh, being able to equip things like Colossus Hammer or, you know, even like GTA and Shadow Spear for free. Ugh, absolutely. Uh, 
the other deck I do want to point out too is uh, Michael Levine uh, playing the the mono black deck. We just haven't seen this one in a while. Um, it's the the Helm of Obedience, uh, Leyline of the Void, you know, Milia, but you know, still have the backup plan of Dothy Void Walker, Opposition Agent. Uh, this list is actually playing three copies of Shieldred also. I, I mean, it's. I don't say it's the best Dark Ritual deck, but it, it is definitely, a I think, a choice that people might have forgotten about, but the deck is pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, not my favorite deck or anything, but it's very powerful, so. Yeah, I mean, I also think there's just like a, like, how bad is the deck that can get cast Karn and then go get Michaelson's Lattice? Like, it can't be that bad. At the, at the very least. Yeah, and, like, honestly, Dothy Voidwalker and Lilian in the Void are just good cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And even Opposition Agent, like, the, the number of games I've lost because my opponent just went Dark Ritual Opposition Agent, I'm like, oh, I've got all fetches, so we'll just sit here until I draw a Red Thorst to kill it, and then I, I don't draw a Red Thorst to kill the, uh, um, the Opposition Agent, and then I just die, so... Yeah, super fun. Yeah, I've, I've lost more games to my opponent just playing Opposition Agent than I would care to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think this deck is pretty neat. Um, and Michael Levine, obviously, is, a, I know, a person who, from actually from the CEDH sphere, who is playing a little bit more Legacy nowadays, which I think is really neat. It seems like he's enjoying himself, so uh, shout out to him as well. Uh, yeah, and also uh, shout out to Chris Reinhardt who uh, put up a really solid finish too. Chris, uh, Chris is one of our patrons, um, but playing elves too, and you know, I think there's been kind of a debate about like what version of elves you want to be playing. Um, he did pretty well with the fiend artisan version. I know I've been seeing a lot more of the combo version. I- I'm still not sure even which way you should be going. I, I do like the combo version just because the ability to go wide I think is really nice. But, I mean, he's been putting up really good finishes with the Fiend Artisan version as well, so I'm not sure if there is a, a right choice or not. Yeah, it is worth noting that he did perform better than all the all the other Elves players this weekend, and all the mm-hmm. other Elves players were on the Cabo deck. But also, you know, one, one data point doesn't mean that much, necessarily. For sure. Yeah, and I do like the addition of the Snuffouts in the main deck, like the four copies. I, I know that's something that we saw... Uh, Newton playing a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, upping the number up to up to three or four. Um, Chris ended up playing four copies there, and I, I just think Snuff Out is just very, very—I don't say underrated, but um, it, it's a card that we're starting to obviously see an uptick in. Yeah. So speaking of Snuff Out, um, I mentioned the showcase challenge. You know, one of the finalists was on Suffolk Breakfast. But the other was uh, somebody we've definitely mentioned before, uh, Juju Bean, with another dominant performance. But basically, he's splashing like a single Underground Sea for Baleful Strixes and Snuff Outs um, and Delver, and that seems really strong. Uh, Snuff Out is like fantastic against Initiative. Uh, Being able to kill Seasoned Dungeoneer is just like so, so, so important. And, you know, we already kind of touched on Baleful Strix is obviously great versus Delver, and it's also pretty good against the initiative. 
So mm-hmm. I, you know, we talk all the time about like how black is not played in legacy, but I, it might be time for a comeback. Yeah. I mean like, you know, this shell kind of makes me think like you can play snuff out and like you can play baleful tricks. Like that seems like a pretty good way to line up very aggressively versus Delver and versus initiative right now. I mean, and obviously, you know, Juju's version, it really is a blue-red Delver splashing snuff out. Uh, but I, I wonder if you can go on this a little bit harder, too, if you know, if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, I guess I should correct myself. Juju was not playing Baleful Strix, but I did see plenty of lists from this weekend that did well that were playing Baleful Strix. Yeah, I mean, the so I guess to make this splash work... Uh, Juju is cutting two lightning bolts, which makes sense anyways, right? Like, the reason you're playing Snuff Out is because lightning bolt does not kill the threats you want it to deal with. So cutting that, trimming that number down makes a lot of sense. Um, the other cards are, are kind of flex spots. Like, you know, this version doesn't have uh, the, you know, the one chain lightning. It doesn't have the one unholy heat. Uh, we don't see any pyroblast in the main deck. Uh, which, once again, I think if you're looking at Medish metagame percentages obviously delver is i think currently the second most popular deck at one thing i think that's a little different in paper but you know initiative is such a popular deck i don't know if you really want to just have a a dead card like pyroblast in your main deck which you know good good thing bad thing i'm not sure but um that is something there and then the fit the underground sea just cutting that Steam vents. So that does make your Dragon Rage channel a little bit worse, but I don't think it makes a huge difference here. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I am going to note, though, uh, the Unchained Berserker in the main deck of the sideboard. Not happy. uh, (laughs) We'll we'll ignore that. Um, Three copies is really aggressive, though. Um, That's interesting. Um, also, the one copy of Blood Moon seems really aggressive in your in your uh, your deck. Uh, I, I don't know if you want Blood Moon, but it's there's one of in the sideboard, so I guess I guess I'm wrong. Yeah, I um, I wouldn't play the Blood Moon. I don't think, but I don't know. Like, I get it. Um, I I just feel like. Blood Moon's not the tool you want against necessarily anything in Legacy right now. Like, mm-hmm. I think Blood Moon is... It's, like, the worst piece of land hate versus, like, the land strategies. And then if you're playing against, like, the four-color decks, like, I just don't know that it's a great strategy. Um, I, well, I guess the heavy four-color decks have, like, started dropping on basics again. So sometimes you can chase them. But some people are, some of those players will just, like, never give up their basics, right? And then, like, mm-hmm. they also have Besaju sometimes with Loam. So it just, it feels like you are investing a lot of mana into something that's just as likely to screw you over, if not more likely to screw you over than them. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I, it, not, yeah, not a fan of that card. I'm also, this seems like... If there's ever a point that you want to play Surgical Extraction, I feel like this would be it. Like, I feel like this is your chance. You're already, you already have the Black Source in the deck. Like, you can actually cast it for black mana if you really want to. Like, this is our moment. We are ready to go. And it's like, I'm going to play Grafdigger's Cage. Okay. I mean, 
<laughs> once again, they, they have different uses. So they're not the same card. Crafty uh, Verse Cage, I think, is, is a really nice answer on turn one versus Reanimator. Um, Surgical, obviously, is very good, too, but it can be discarded. Um, I, I get it. It just... It's just, I think it's funny. The one time we actually have black mana, we're just, like, not playing Surgical Extraction. Yeah, I mean, like, Surgical's really, like, at its best against combo decks. Uh, and I just don't think there's really many combo decks. Like, when the number one deck in the format is a deck that plays, you know, Chalice half the time, um, and then, like, the number two deck in the format is Delver, it, it's just, like, kind of hard to talk people into registering combo decks. And so Grass Digger's Cage having overlap against Elves, which I think is going to be much more prevalent than those combo decks, is, I think, pretty strong. I mean, I think Cage is, Cage is obviously very good versus Cephalid Breakfast, too. So I think that's a... Hey, don't tell people uh, that. Push. What? what? No. Um, I, actually, I would, I would actually much rather see a Grass Digger's Cage than Surgical, because, like, with... I don't know if that's true. Because, like, Graph Trigger's Cage, you see it there, and you're like, okay, i just ending it, or I bounce it with the fairy, and I'm good to go. Uh, Surgical, obviously, also gets stopped by Teferi, but, like, I don't know, sometimes, like, my my uh, Cephalid Illusionist gets killed, and then, like, I flip over the Dread Return or Thassa's Oracle, and they're just like, I'll Surgical mm-hmm. that now, and I'm just like, ah, now I have to do this the hard way. <laughs> so, yeah. You, you can, like, just remove Graph Digger's Cage. You can't remove that they've already removed your win condition. Yeah. I'm going to shuffle these ones back in. Don't don't mind me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I do think this is an interesting place to take the deck. And like you, you, as you mentioned before, like there are some versions that are playing Grixis, uh, going heavier into the Snuff Out, Baleful Strix Avenue, being a more control deck, which makes sense too, because there was a point in time where we saw a you know the Grixis deck be this kind of, like, l- looming figure over Blue Red Delver, just as something to, like you said, to kind of take up the... have more efficient forms of card advantage, uh, being able to recoup things with, you know, Painful Truth and whatnot, Baleful Trick blocking effectively. And I think if you're looking at this format as a, a Merktide for- format and a, you know, X4 format, like, a 1-1 Death Toucher is perfect. So... Yeah, I'm not sure if there's anything else from these events that did particularly well. I mean, I, I do want to touch on Bryant Cook in the showcase. Um, put up a really solid finish with, you know, his version of the Epic Storm that he's been playing, innovating on forever. I, I think this is like Epic Storm version, like 17.2.1 or something like that. Something, something absurd. I thought he was only on 13 point something. Also, like, I don't even know if you can say, like, Bryant's version of Tess. Like, yes, it is his version, but I just feel like mm-hmm. that's the stock deck. Like, whatever he plays is, is stock. Um, <laughs> like, to quote Dale Ayers, is that the... <laughs> that, was that him? Like, I, I make the stock list? Nah, it was, um... Oh, why am I blanking on his name? I can see him. Uh, the, it's one of the Canadian guys. Uh... Uh, Edgar? No, no, it's like Edgar's best friend. Um, oh man, this is gonna kill me. I'm really hoping that, like, you know, it'll be like someone like, it's like, oh, it's Dave. And no. then, like, 
No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying. Like, it's a, you're like, oh, it's Dave, and then like his actual best friend is like, I'm not his best friend, and like it's like this like big, big, big spat. Hopefully not, but Dilks, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt Dilks. Oh, um, not Dilks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I decide what stack. Yeah. Yeah. He's Canadian. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Um, and also, I was correct. It's Epic Storm version th- thirteen point seven. Okay. Okay, so there's seven in there somewhere. I got that's close. Yeah. Okay. I um you know, I, I'm just gonna toot my own horn for a second. This is just like oh <laughs> the weekend yeah, of ahead. me no, being shoot, correct. Shoot right? And I'm correct on what storm version it is. I was correct on breakfast putting up good results this weekend. I was correct on painter kind of crushed it. I think there was like three like red painter top eights. So I was correct there. It's correct on blue-white control. I'm just, you know, everyone should listen to me all the time. I'm very smart. Uh, if I can, if I have the energy to do it, I will try to find a little <laughs> like horn sound for you. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, very smart. Uh, nobody nobody think about earlier in the episode where I said I played into Spell Pierce five times. I just... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, we'll let that go. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so for those who haven't seen this version, um, previously we were looking at a version um, that, you know, Brian, Brian called the uh, the Delver Killer, right? Um, focusing on having Galvanic Relay to make a huge um, storm count the next turn. And, you know, Galvanic Relay is just so effective of just allowing you to have a bunch of resources, be able to untap and, you know, use that mana effectively. Uh, this version is or that previous version was actually playing green that veil of summer and he's gone away from that and actually switched to playing white instead so you have copies of silence you have copies of orm's chant here um and even in the sideboard you do have copies of prismatic ending uh it's i mean the deck is it's very hard to for delver at least uh it's a very tough tough matchup this deck definitely does a lot of things you needed to do um and having access to silence effects is is really brutal when you have a handful of counter magic. Like it's at least you know they cast silence. You have to counter that silence at, at first. You know, it's a one mana spell. You're using your force of will, so now you're down cards. And then when you try to like fight the actual fight, it's pretty difficult. So uh, definitely a, a really solid deck list here. One of these days, I like really need to book a coaching session with Brian or something. Uh, I, I really like playing Ant, and I can win with Ant, but, like, very few people put in the work on Ant, and I, I can't figure out the deck list. I can only win when provided with the correct list. Uh, but I cannot win with Tess, and I've tried so many times. So, like, one of these days I just need him to, like, show me what I'm doing wrong so that I, too, can murder people with the Epic Storm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, if you guys haven't, I'm sure you, most of our listeners have, but um, you know, Eternal Glory is the show that Bryant and Phil and mm-hmm. Brian are on. So if you haven't, if you're not listening to them already, you should definitely should be listening to them. In addition to us, of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, once again, I think this really solid list um, obviously put up a really solid result, and I think if you're going to play this deck, playing it in a showcase challenge where you know Delver is going to be a significant portion of the field, I think is a really smart choice. Yeah. I. It's kind of funny to me, too, that, like, you know, he's, like, keeps iterating on the deck, but I feel like this is just a previous version of the deck, right? Like, I know he was on Veils and he dropped the Veils, but, like, you know, it just... 
I feel like before Veil was ever printed, he was on Orm Chant in silence, so it just feels like what's old is like just becoming new again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it. No, none of it surprises me at this point, right? Like, I think at, at this point, he has a, pro, a giant Rolodex of magic cards that he's just like, okay, well, now's the time for this. Um, it's, you know, Aquarius is rising, so let's, like, pull out the the Dark Rituals from this version, and I'm going to use my Burning Wishes from this edition, and here comes the Ad Nauseam and the Echo of Aeons. Like, it just everything is ready and planned. I mean, he, he just has a lot of backup plans on backup plans. Uh, some of these cards I, I'm not shocked to see, uh, but, like, it's interesting to have like, Crash and Pulverize in the deck, in the sideboard, rather. Um, you you have Burning Wish, so getting the Pulverize is, you know, trivial, but, like, Crash being an instant doesn't seem like a card I would necessarily have the board, but it's still a card that he's interested in, in playing, so a uh, lot, of, lot of interesting, like, fine-tuning here. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, but... He does it. I, what I'm actually like the most curious about is not even necessarily anything about the list, but I just wonder when the showcase challenge, or not the showcase challenge, when the showcase qualifier comes, will he be on the epic storm for that uh, and stay on brand, or will he try to juke everyone? That's what I'm most curious about. Uh, that's a good question. I I think he's gonna end up playing this. I I think he is. Really, the only person who I would trust to play this, like, you know, if we're going to money match or, like, you know, battle to the death, Brian Cook versus random person, um, it could be anybody, I, I'm taking Bryant every time. And I think if you told Bryant that he's going to face the best competition in the world, he still has a really solid chance of, of taking them down. So, he does that or Juju Bean, right? Like, I, <laughs> one of those two is... is my bet to uh, to save my life there, so... I don't know. Yeah, I just, um... You know, Bryant has shown that he has range before, right? Like, we've seen him win a challenge with Delver. We've seen him win a challenge with... I, or, I don't remember what the other deck was. I don't remember, actually, if he won or top-8 it. I think he just top eight it with another, like, like bluish mid-range pile. Um, he played, like, Miracles in the Legacy Premier League back when that was a thing. So, like... We've seen him have success with other decks. And, like, you know, back when he he used to be a regular on, like, the SCG Open series, and he can play other formats. Like, you know, he would put up results in Standard and Modern. So I just... I know sometimes he likes to likes to switch it up and throw people off. So we'll see. Yeah, wouldn't be shocked. Uh, yeah, he... This seems silly, but like I know he's obviously a very great test player. I think about him so much just playing, um, the the Cycle Storm deck in Pauper, uh, which seems like a really sweet deck. But that's once again besides the point. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. He's got a lot of range. He's got wins in Vintage challenges, Pauper challenges, um, Pioneer challenges. Like he is all over the map. Just a really solid play all player all around. Uh, all right. Well, I I feel like we're getting to the end here. Is there anything else you want to talk about as far as deck lists are concerned? Uh, not as far as deck list, but I do have uh, one request, if that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so request for the listeners. Um, 
some of you might have seen this already. I posted on Twitter uh, from the Depths account, just like, I'm curious to hear what people necessarily want to get out of the show. Uh, obviously, we've been doing it for a while, and, you know, we have listeners, so what we're doing is, you know, working. Uh, but Generally, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, if there's something people want, I, I would like to give people what they want, as long as it's still something that's going to be enjoyable for us. Uh, so I've, you know, got a few responses, like people suggesting. The, the most common thing we got was like, hey, more guests. Um, which is cool because we don't actually have to be as prepared when there's a guest. So Mm-mm. love taking it easy. Um, but yeah, if there's like anything people want or like want us to keep doing or stop doing or whatever, like my DMs are open. I think Billy's are open. The show's DMs mm-hmm. are open. So just would love any and all feedback. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, we did see one comment that was talking about us challenging other podcast and group so with that in mind let's uh go to the list here okay we're not doing this (laughs) here we i got it's like it's only like six people it's fine nope it'll be no problem nope all right let's start with okay fine i'll i'll hold off maybe we'll maybe we'll do that for a patreon exclusive i don't know but yeah i mean there are definitely a lot of things we would like to do and uh, a lot of groups that I think we could probably do collabs with if, you know, if they were interested, if we were interested, um, doing, you know, legacy matches or just honestly just talking about, you know, different philosophies, things like that. I, I think that's cool. I mean, and a lot of the people that were, you know, who are also podcasting at this point, we, we know them, we're friends with them, um, you know, them, us chatting to uh, Phil Gallagher is not an absurd thing, um, so, you know, maybe maybe that's something we do. Maybe that's something we don't do. Uh, but, you know, if you're interested, and obviously, you know, people like, uh, I know, like, XJ is someone I know who's fairly popular as a, as a guest. People always ask, you know, when, when's XJ cl- coming back? Um, people always say, like, I would, you know, love to hear from Kellen again. I would love to hear uh, from Jerry T again. I've heard that a lot. Uh, <laughs> not sure we can promise Jerry T every week, but... You know, I don't. I don't mind doing host, uh, doing guests either. They're always always fun. All right. Well, let's with that get out of here. Uh, Mapson, where can people find you? Uh, so people can find me to submit that feedback at Expedition Map on Twitter. Um, you know, maybe one day again at Expedition Map on Twitch. I I have nothing going on this Sunday, so there's a non-zero chance I stream something. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't played a Legacy Challenge in a while. I'm kind of getting that itch. But also, yeah. if my wife wants to do like literally anything, I'm just going to do that instead. <laughs> uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Bad Luck Bandit on Twitter. Uh, if you're interested in finding the show, we are at Depth underscore podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, I guess before I forget, too, uh, I am going to be on the... Oh my gosh. I'm doing a stream with... Uh, chase uh their twitch account is mana curves and i've been on their show before i chase is fantastic so uh definitely check them out if you are interested in watching some uh casual edh play on i guess the 19th i guess but so i don't have to say tomorrow but i guess that's relative uh but on uh january 19th 
2023. Uh, you can check check me out on there. Um, I'm also going to be at Al Central. I am actually one of the uh, commentators for a modern event that they're running next week on Saturday. Uh, that would be the 28th. Um, so if you're interested in, you know, watch actually listening to me commentate, uh, you know, check out, check it out. Uh, I'll put the stream uh, next week. I'll put it in the show notes so you can check that out, and I'll, I'll obviously you know tweet and retweet it stuff when it goes live. So yeah, some good modern content. Who doesn't love modern, right? Uh, some people don't love it, but they should. Modern's great. It's a great format. Okay. Uh, with that, I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. <laughs>